This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. From London, this is The Standard Podcast, and I'm Mark Blunden. Thousands of commuters defied union attempts to shut down key routes into the capital today, but there was little sign of an end to the rail strikes. Train drivers belonging to the Aslef Union walked out at Southwestern Railway, Southern and Thameslink in the latest stage for a 20-month battle to win a pay rise. The Standard's transport editor, Ross Lydell, has the latest from Waterloo, where he's been interviewing Aslef General Secretary Mick Whelan on the picket line. How long can you keep going? This seems extraordinary how long this dispute has lasted already. Look at the people behind me. They're returning 94 to 99% votes in favour of action and action short of a strike. While they tell us to go on strike, that's how long we'll go on strike for. Further strikes due to hit C2C Greater Anglia and LNER services on Friday, Avanti West Coast on Saturday and Chilton and GWR on Monday. It comes as the RMT union said hundreds of its members voted for two further 24-hour walkouts on the Overground Line next month and again in March. Then in part two of the Standard Podcast, something completely different. Escape the polluted centre for London's glorious green spaces, which have had a cash value of £8 billion put on them by the City of London Corporation. Now we're joined in the studio by Ross, who's just returned from reporting at Waterloo Station. How was the pressure on rush hour services? Waterloo Station this morning was a bit of a surprising sight, if I'm totally honest. Normally on strike days, certainly train strike days, I would go along to King's Cross or Euston and the concourse would be absolutely deserted, bar perhaps a cleaner and a couple of pigeons. Today at Waterloo, there was a constant stream of passengers coming off of South Western Railway trains. It wasn't as busy as it normally is. Obviously, it's normally one of the busiest train stations, not just in London, but in the entire country. Today, there are probably four, five, six trains every hour, perhaps slightly more uh, from places like Guildford, from Woking. Uh, so, South Western Railway was managing to run a partial service. And as such, the most notable thing for me was the number of London commuters making the effort to get into central London. They were clearly not going to be put off by the fact that there was a strike by, as 
ASLEF. Could you expand on the routes that have been impacted? In essence, uh, ASLEF has organised a sort of week of rolling strikes around about 16 train firms are affected over the course of the seven-day period. But today it was primarily London commuter services. So we had Thameslink, we had Southern, which runs trains largely in and out of Victoria. We had the Gatwick Express and we had Southwestern Railway, which runs in and out of Waterloo. What are these latest strikes over? The strikes are essentially over one thing, and that is pay. It's quite extraordinary now that it's almost five years since these train drivers had a pay rise. Now, the general perception is that train drivers are not too badly paid in comparison to other professions. They earn about £60,000 a year, and under a deal that was rejected by ASLEF last April, their pay would have gone up to about £65,000. However, the problem that ASLEF see with this pay offer is that it was linked to changes in terms and conditions. The government and the train operating companies are really keen to modernise the railways. There's a particular issue about working at weekends. Some train companies require drivers to work overtime, in essence, because they're on a sort of week day contract. Other train firms have drivers who they can roster over the seven days that the services run. And ASLEF didn't like the way the uh, offer was being made in terms of linking the pay rise to changes in working practices, hence this stalemate. And it's now almost 20 months since the first strike that happened on these national railways. And that considerable flow of passengers into Waterloo was without these new minimum service laws being imposed. What's your take on that? That's right. Last year around summertime, the government passed into legislation laws which enable train firms or indeed other employers to require minimum service levels, as it's called, And in terms of what this would mean for a train strike, the train companies could require staff to come in to ensure that there's a minimum of 40% of services running on a strike day. Now, this actually became law just before Christmas in terms of its practical application. And it looked like at the time that actually the tube strikes in early January, that they were planned for early January, would be the first sort of test case for this, you know, would Sadiq Khan and Transport for London use these new laws to force RMT, it would have been there, to come to work. In the end, Sadiq Khan managed to find an extra £30 million to say to the RMT, please don't go on strike all this week, the first week in January, we're going to increase our pay offer and we're going to resolve this dispute without you actually needing to walk out. So that actually worked in the sense of there was no strike because it would have been the first week in January when the tube would have been pretty much shut down. So what happened there was that that new law wasn't required there and Sadiq actually indicated he wasn't prepared to use it because he felt that in practice just having 40% of staff on the underground wouldn't actually have been safe enough to pass all the various and very tight safety regulations that apply to the London underground, in particular the subterranean stations rather than those out in the suburbs. Now looking at the national rail dispute, uh, again these laws haven't been used yet. Last week LNER, which runs the high-speed long-distance trains from King's Cross up to York, Newcastle and Edinburgh and so on the East Coast Main Line indicated that it was prepared to use these new laws to force its staff to come to work, or at least some of them. In response, Aslev said, oh, we don't like the sound of that at all. We are therefore going to go and strike for an extra five days on LNER. They really hit back with uh, quite a sucker punch. LNER then dropped its plans to use these new laws and Aslev then said, okay, 
as a result, we won't go and strike for an extra five days there. So what's happened is almost the case that uh, the rail companies have become frightened to use these new laws because they seem to antagonise the union even further and actually lead to a worsening of relations rather than actually making things better for passengers. So essentially there are powers on the statute book that the train companies don't want to use because they think these new laws will make things worse rather than better. Let's go to the ads. Coming up, cheap fare cuts and the monster value of London's most famous green spaces. Why not hit follow in the meantime to give us a rating? It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Welcome back. What do we know about these latest planned RMT strikes on the overground? The irony was this morning, there it was, outside Waterloo Station, waiting my turn to speak to Mick Whelan. Nine o'clock, ping, through comes a message from the RMT, the other main union, in terms of uh, the trains and the tube, and it said it's going to have two strikes on the London overground. Now, these will actually be for 48 hours apiece, a couple of days in February, a couple of days in March. And this would be about 300 staff working for the overground who are members of the RMT. Now, the good news here for Londoners is it's probably unlikely that the overground will stop running because most drivers belong to ASLEF, a rival union. And because the overground is overground, then what TfL can do is keep these stations open, but simply open the barriers so you don't have the station staff there, but it's still possible for the trains to run. So with a bit of luck, this should not mean that the overground should not be shut on those four days, fingers crossed. The issue here is a bit of an odd one because obviously we've got the standoff between TfL and the unions over the London Underground. The Overground is a bit of an anomaly in that while it's overseen or run by Transport for London as well as the London Underground, it's actually operated under contract by Arriva for TfL. Hence, the staff on the London Overground get different pay rates to those on the London Underground. And that's why the RMT is taking action here. Finally, on the tubes, what are these pre-mayoral election fair saver sweeteners that Sadiq Khan's offering? Well, it's just over 100 days to go now until the mayoral election. And Sadiq is, to be fair to him, out of the traps like Usain Bolt. He's come out in the last couple of weeks with a couple of cracking announcements in terms of the likelihood that these will win votes or at least shore up his own support. First, he announced a partial fares freeze. So all pay-as-you-go fares will be frozen for the next year on the London Underground and overground and on buses so the 
very important bus fare remains at £1.75 until March 2025. And this is regardless of whether he wins or not. So he's basically hoping for the dividend come May the 2nd that voters will reward him. But what he's also done, and this is quite interesting in terms of the way we live now, he has announced that for a three-month period starting probably on March the 8th, that it will be essentially cheaper fares on Friday. He's going to scrap peak fares on Friday on the tube. What Sadiq wants to do is encourage people back into town on Fridays. Obviously, the whole working from home uh, makeup or scenario post-pandemic means that people tend to come in Tuesday, Wednesdays and Thursdays and very rarely Monday or Friday. And if they do come in on Friday, possibly they're coming in and going out celebrating in the evening. Sadiq wants us to get back on the tube on Friday. He's going to make it sort of cheaper fares all day. Uh, Will this work? Well, he's going to essentially analyse the impact of this. What he doesn't want to happen is that people switch from Tuesday or Wednesday and come in on Friday instead. He wants some people to come in four days a week, not three or two. So we wait and see. But on the face of it, it's quite an eye-catching initiative. Will it save you money? Well, a little bit. If you're coming in from Zone 6 to Zone 1, it will save you £2 per trip. Now to some of London's most famous green spaces and you're also reporting on Tuesday about this new City of London Corporation report that's put a monetary value on them. What's it all about? Hampstead Heath, Epping Forest, Burnham Beaches, some of the greatest green spaces in and around London. Hampstead Heath is a particular favourite for me. Often on a Sunday morning I'll be sort of puffing my way around the border of the Heath trying to keep the waistline in trim. I live near Epping Forest, a most amazing space you know, goes from Wanstead and Leytonstone all the way up to the Essex border beyond Epping Town itself. These are run or managed by the City of London Corporation, the essentially the local authority for the square mile. And what the City Corporation has done is commission experts to try and put a monetary value on these green spaces. Why has it done it? Well, it's a little bit of a mystery. It feels to me as if there's internal shenanigans going on within Guildhall that people who look after these green spaces probably want more money. They want a bigger slice of the city's pie to be spent on these green spaces. The city spends around £38 million a year maintaining the likes of the Heath and Epping Forest and so on. It's a massive job. Could it spend more? Well, I think that's what this report is looking to do. But essentially what the boffins who drew up the report have done is try to put a monetary value on the likes of the ability of these spaces to uh, reduce pollution, to sort of soak up carbon, to encourage healthy lifestyles. They talk about the benefits of people being able to go out and spend time in the open to perhaps do exercise there. They even suggest that more cycle routes should be plotted through these spaces. And from my experience of having previously worked in Hampstead, I know that won't go down terribly well with all walkers who are very well averse to the challenges presented by cyclists on Hampstead Heath. How protected are these green spaces from government planning reforms? There is a restriction on building on all of these spaces and essentially these spaces were largely given to the city corporation by Queen Victoria back in 1872 and since then the city corporation has acted as sort of guardian to prevent the encroachment onto these spaces. Recently in Waltham Forest we actually had the case where the council through changing some of the roads around Whips Cross was able to hand back a space about the size of three football pitches to Epping Forest to actually make the area around hollow ponds bigger. So these are protected spaces. Obviously, the, one of the great phrases is the green lungs of London. The 
There's more on this story in the Evening Standard newspaper and online at standard.co.uk. We're back on Wednesday at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.